Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Sunday, December 11th. Lane Kiffin has fallen off the coaching carousel. South Carolina assistant Sean Elliott has taken the head coaching job at Georgia State, going from the worst team in South Carolina to the worst team in Georgia. Matt Ryan's 64-yard TD pass to Taylor Gabriel has just given me a round one playoff win in my fantasy football league. So life is pretty good. Uh, Guys, uh, Ben and Cody here with you today. Uh, a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're on the heels of the Heisman Trophy presentation that happened last night on Saturday. And this is also the first weekend that we've had in quite some time where we were off from uh, college football for the most part. There was the Army-Navy game, but uh, that notwithstanding. Um, Cody, what did you do on your day off? You got a Saturday back. What did you do with it? I would like to say it was a fun-filled day, but unfortunately, it was raining all week, all weekend, so I just sat at home, watched a little bit of college basketball, um, had some champagne. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was about it. Just watched a few movies. Uh, kind of a, a, a dull day, but it is kind of nice to free up some time on your, on your Saturday um, you know, going forward. Yeah, I got to say I didn't take much advantage of it either as far as at least getting out of the house is concerned. Um, you mentioned it was raining out here, so, you know, that limited what we can do. But, yeah, I pretty much sat around all day in my sweatpants. I did a little Christmas gift shopping online. Um, did get out to dinner last night, but, but yeah, um, it was pretty much what I wanted of my first Saturday without college football. Right. Um, kind of relaxing, nothing to do, uh, no stress. And it's not to say that college football is a, is a burden, but after you know 13 weeks straight of it, it's good to get a day back in your weekend. For me, it's good to like be able to clean, do things around the house that it just makes it difficult to do that I generally would do on a Saturday. So um, love that we're in the playoff, love that we have potentially two more weeks left, but there's also a part of me that's you know breathing easy, got a, got a free day every weekend going forward. Yeah, it is amazing how much more productive I'm able to be uh, when we're not in college football season. You know, now that we finally had a week off, I have time to reminisce about all the times where we'd go out of town, go for a hike, or you know, you know, do anything other than watch football um, all weekend. But uh, yeah, here we are, still talking about it on Sunday. It's what we do. It's what we do. So let's get right into it. Um, As I mentioned, and as everybody in the Clemson universe knows, uh, the Heisman Trophy presentation uh, happened yesterday on Saturday night. Lamar Jackson won Louisville's first Heisman Trophy, um, which is kind of what we expected going in. You know, the media had been telling us all year that he was going to win the Heisman, and they really set the tone early on. And it really didn't seem to be a race for the most part, as close as people might like to tell you that it was. Um, I think Deshaun Watson did make a case for himself uh, coming down the stretch, and he had a good argument to to take the Heisman Trophy home. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the media had been pumping to, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson all season long, and deservedly so. He had some huge games early on in the season. With you know, I went back and looked today, and he had some spectacular uh, numbers uh, to open up even into the Clemson game. So. 
he did falter there at the end, but for the most part, he had he had a really good year. Yeah, I mean, I I can't criticize the the decision. I, the one maybe one criticism that I do have in terms of the voters is the number of early ballots that went in before anyone um, even gave Deshaun Watson a chance to do what he would do in the ACC championship game. And I'm not. I think that just goes to show how it wasn't close in their eyes, where they, there was nothing that he could do in a in a championship game, no less, to to overtake Lamar Jackson at that point. And I, you know, we'll get into it. We'll we'll examine it a little bit further. But for me, I have to feel like they they have to at least keep an open eye on that championship game to make that that final decision on who it would be. I felt like it got that close, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was something like 16% of the voters cast their votes before the conference championship games, and they actually opened up the voting uh, with a couple weeks left in the season, and I'm not sure if that was uh, before their loss to Houston or if it was before their loss to Kentucky. Either way, it was before they had at least one of their uh, three losses um, uh, before the end of the season. And I think that, that should have changed people's minds. And especially the way that Deshaun Watson played coming down the stretch. So my question is, why the hell is voting allowed to be submitted that early? Uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's kind of like when people vote for president with you know months before the actual election. A lot of things can happen in that period of time. Um, even more so in college football, it's less cut and dry because on any given day, like a team can lose. And you saw that with uh, Louisville dropping their last two games of the year. And it wasn't even close to Houston. They got blown out. Right. It, it, so much happened in the last few weeks that, it, you know, it, I think Watson got, gained a lot of ground. And Lamar Jackson, you know, meanwhile, he was not performing at a Heisman type level. And I, I know it's about your performance and, uh, and it's about aggregate performance. How did you perform on the entire, on, on the entire season? But it's also about winning. And the way he, he, he fumbled – uh, I should say it there at the end. I, I don't know how that couldn't. I, I don't know why people wouldn't hold on a little bit longer and and, and tune into a championship, a champion and a championship. Uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me either. Um, but I will say, like, you know, kind of echoing what you said, uh, great, great season by Lamar Jackson. And that's not, I mean, the numbers, they, they do pan out. I mean, it does, it, 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 if I were looking at them just on paper, I would, I would have to give the award to, Lamar Jackson, and unfortunately, I think that's what a lot of the voters did. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to take anything from him whatsoever. Um, he has had a, an incredible season. There's no denying that fact. He's an incredible athlete. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the country, but a good case can be made for him being the best football player in the country. Um, so that's one thing. And the other thing that's that's kind of bothered me in all of this, and I actually, um, and and partly to blame for this, is the way that people have questioned Lamar Jackson's character. Well, he's done nothing off the field um, to, to make us skeptical, skeptical of who he is as a person. Um, during the last episode, I made a mention to the fact that the Heisman uh, voters um, tended to not take character into account when they were giving out this award. And when I said that, and I thought at the time that I went back and I, I cleared this up, but when I went back and listened to it, I didn't do as good a job as I thought I did. But in no way did I mean to insinuate that, uh, that Jackson's character is similar to several of the more recent former winners that have had off-the-field issues. Um, and there's many, many things about Jackson that I do like. There was you know, 
the story with his mom is an incredible one. I find that pretty intriguing. And then also there was a, a time earlier uh, this year, I believe, uh, where he got off the team bus and gave a football to a terminally ill teenager um, who was battling, I believe, uh, liver cancer. So listen, there, there's nothing in this kid's history that is really um, that should have anybody questioning his character. There's been some times where some of his antics, and, you know, especially like striking the Heisman pose. Uh, before fumbling it away at Kentucky have kind of bothered me. And those are things that I don't see Deshaun Watson do. Um, but that's exactly was my, my intent was more so uh, to say that just because Deshaun Watson has impeccable character and just knowing the type of person he is, the type of team leader he is, that doesn't, that's not taken into account. That's not going to give him the Heisman. Um, and just at the same time, I don't think if you do have questionable character, that's necessarily really going to take it away from you. Um, you know, we saw Johnny Manziel up there. We saw, we've seen Jameis Winston uh, recently win one. But, uh, you know, the Heisman Trophy presentation is generally a popularity contest. And, you know, that's just kind of how those things go. Um, so, you know, and it kind of bothers me, not only attacking his character, but people making fun of him or whatever for his speech. You know, yeah, I understand it wasn't the most eloquent thing in the world, but at the same time, this is like a 19-year-old kid who's achieved something that's pretty special that you know nobody on internet message boards um, had likely accomplished by the time they were 19, um, let alone some, let alone some you know dolt like me or you know you or I doing a a podcast for a team. So uh, all I have to say is you know that was a it was a moment that he has never been in before. He was probably pretty nervous. Um, and I just, I find it, uh, to be in, uh, bad form to kind of attack him for that. Listen, he won the Heisman trophy. He's, he's deserving of it. He had an incredible year. He's an incredible football player. No, well said. I can't really add anything else to that. I, w- I will defend you for a second. Cause I will say doing a, doing a podcast, uh, you know, you go to work I know you've been doing work and, uh, testing in your, in your spare time, uh, as, as an architect, um, to become certified as an architect, so you you know you do ten hour work days, you do um, study in your in your spare time. Uh, you sit down finally at eight o'clock at night, you have a beer, and you probably use the wrong choice of words. Um, so it happens. Sorry it, when it does happen, but um, but uh, I know what you meant. You mentioned uh, you said, I think you may, may have said character issues, but I, I agree with what you said. I don't think I think what you meant mostly was that Deshaun Watson wasn't it wasn't going to sway the voters because he did have good character. Uh, Back to Lamar Jackson, I will say last year you talked about it being a, a popularity contest. I think that's what happened with Derrick Henry. I, I think it was the, the momentum of Alabama. Somehow everyone just started jumping on, hyping him as the, as the Heisman candidate when he overtook uh, Leonard Fournette when they played head-to-head, and it was all about uh, Derrick Henry. And it, just, it was like too much in, the, in, in terms of public opinion for, for Deshaun Watson to, to, to get back into the conversation with him by the end of the year. I don't necessarily think it was a popularity contest. I think there was a little bit more, it was more performance-based this year. Um, I don't like the way that it ended. It wasn't in great Heisman form to end the way that it did for Lamar Jackson. And I would have liked uh, Deshaun to get a little bit more consideration because of that. But for the most part, I will say he, he had a great year. Um, the, the numbers, again, they, they shake out. They, they, they work and they make sense. And if anything, I, I think... He's so damn exciting to watch. There's that electrifying aspect, similar to Michael Vick. Um, Deshaun, you know, as great as he is, and even as a dual threat, he doesn't quite have that explosiveness. And I wonder 
if that may have swayed some voters, if that if that had dr- driven a little bit more of the the public opinion and the, and the perception is just that he's so damn fun to watch. Well, and he came onto the scene this year. Listen, everybody knew what Deshaun Watson could do coming into the year, and he had higher expectations uh, set upon him by not only us but everybody in the media. Um, and Lamar Jackson kind of, you know, he didn't play a ton last year. He played more at the end of the season. Um, uh, but he didn't start the season. He didn't play much at all against us in our game against them last year. So I think that too of uh, it just kind of him being the new thing. Uh, it, it piqued people's interest, and that really helped fuel it. Now it was based on stellar performance. Um, I actually think the bigger slight uh, in this is not Watson losing the Heisman, but him. Uh, USA Today naming Baker Mayfield ahead of him on second team as a second team All American. Uh, you know, I understand obviously Lamar Jackson being first team, but I think the fact that they had Baker Mayfield above Deshaun Watson is a bigger slight because I think Deshaun Watson is a much better football player. You saw that head to head last year. Right. And, you know, let's, let's look at, let's be, let me be devil's advocate or, or maybe take the cynical approach here. I think it falls on his stat line. I think if you look at Deshaun Watson's numbers, um, he do, he doesn't have he has the interceptions. That's the one thing that's glaring. It's what is it, the second most in in all of FBS. Tied tied third in the nation with tied 15. third now. Okay, yep. so still a very high number. Uh, I think his rush yards were down a bit. His um, his overall rushing touchdowns were down as well. Um, and I I think I think what that goes to is it, for one, let's look at this with context. Look at the interceptions that happened this year. And a lot of them were on Deshaun Watson, but so many of them, in my opinion, were, were to poor route running or receiver tight end uh, tipping a ball in the air. I can't remember if, how many times that happened. It seemed like three or four times. Uh, a couple of ones were, where the receiver blew the route ended in an interception. Um, the other part of that is apparently he was maybe a little hurt, a little knee injury there at the beginning of the season. Couldn't use him in the run game. And, we saw it. it. It takes so much out of our offense when we become a little bit multifaceted, multi, um, one-dimensional, I should say, and we don't utilize the run game, you, you do different things. It makes it a lot easier to defend us, and we had to work through that, and Deshaun had to work through that. And then yeah. the rushing touchdowns, I feel like every time Lamar Jackson got even close to the goal line, they had a great brand, uh, option in Brandon Radcliffe, but they were going to get him the Heisman Award. They wanted him to have it. They ran him every time, and he was great. Don't get me wrong. It's not a bad option to go to Lamar Jackson when you're at the three-yard line. But we didn't do that. Deshaun Watson, we weren't trying to pad stats for Deshaun Watson. Davis Sweeney doesn't do that. He doesn't wave the flag of Christian Wilkins as a defensive player the way uh, Harbaugh does it at Michigan. We were just trying to get in the end zone, and Wayne Gallman seemed like the best option. In a lot of cases, he got the ball. If we wanted to pad his stats and do some stuff there, we could have. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, and I think those are two of the most glaring things that you can point here as to why Deshaun Watson didn't win. Listen, those interceptions, I mean, he had interceptions in every game except uh, SC State and Wake this year, and then the, the games that he did have interceptions, a lot of times, you know, if it wasn't due to bad luck, some were just so blatantly bad interceptions in very crucial moments, you know. He had multiple interceptions in some of his biggest games this year that kind of uh, dampened uh, what he did, you know, in the Louisville game. He had over 300 yards passing and five TDs, but he had the three interceptions. FSU, uh, 378 yards passing, two TDs, but two interceptions. Uh, the pit game was amazing. 580 yards passing, three TDs, three interceptions. So in all those big games this year, uh, you know, 
he's had those moments, but then when it comes down to it, he all, he's also had a lot of interceptions. The game against South Carolina uh, was an anomaly uh, where he had the six TDs and only one interception in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a, a huge part of the reason. Uh, imagine, you know, if, if Clemson doesn't lose to Pitt, um, I think he has a much stronger case because then you look at that. If, if Clemson doesn't lose to Pitt, part of that is because he doesn't have those three interceptions. Maybe he has one. And you look at that stat line and it's 580, uh, 580 yards, three TDs and one interception, or maybe one of those interceptions becomes a TD. So it's in four and one, uh, then it's a whole different story. And that um, becomes his Heisman, his Heisman statement his, game. Almost. His Heisman moment, and Clemson yeah. doesn't lose that game, and they're undefeated. Um, and number, still number two in the country. But uh, so there's that, and then there's also the not running as much, um, and that leads into also him having a bit of a slow start this year. Listen, he didn't have a 300 yard passing game until Georgia Tech, which is the fourth game of the season. Lamar Jackson had two of over 400 yards after four games. Uh, Deshaun Watson had no rushing touchdowns until NC State. That's seven games into the season. By that time, Jackson had 16 rush TDs after, you know, after his seventh game. So that's a big deal. Um, you know, his rushing was down you know, by a lot this year. He went from, uh, you know, he has about four less rushes a game, 30-something less yards, um, and he's only six TDs as compared to 12 last year. Um, granted, that took into account two more games, but the pace is off. And I think if you saw his numbers – if his total yardage wasn't in the 500 range, it was more closer to 1,000, that pads your stat line as well. And you combine that with his passing statistics, it's going to look a lot better. Now, listen, Watson's not a runner like Lamar Jackson. He's just not. Um, but padding those numbers would have helped. Right. And just not just the aspect of padding the numbers, it's, it's also just the, the, uh, the function that it serves in our offense. And Whenever we deliberately, and in my opinion, we deliberately shut down the run game at points, early points in the season. It, it I mean, you you could, you know, this is arbitrary, just kind of a guess, but I would say we our offense can function at sixty percent, maybe seventy percent of its potential. And whenever you become, I don't know, I don't want to say that simplistic, that easy to defend, and just marginalized in that sort of a way, then it also it not only hurts his stats in the run game, but it also shuts down things like, uh, you know, man coverage, opening up things in, um, in, in the passing game, seam routes uh, to, to Jordan Leggett. There's so many different things. Um, but it's clear. One thing's clear. We, and and I, I'll, I'll kind of credit Dabo for this. He didn't do any campaigning for Heisman. We set out to win a national championship. Uh, he hasn't, you know, tried to pad stats, try to call a game plan in order to, uh, make sure that Deshaun Watson's a Heisman, and and not saying that that happened in Louisville, uh, but it he got a lot of run plays there the, well, in the red zone situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I think that's what I like that you know is special and important as the Heisman you know would have been had Deshaun Watson won. The team is still not put behind any of that. The ultimate goal this season is to win a national championship, and that's. You know, you, at that point, you need to do whatever it takes as a team, what's ever best for the team. Louisville also just doesn't have the playmakers around Lamar Jackson that Deshaun Watson has. So you have to take that into account. Um, and Clemson needs to rely on that. They need to spread, spread the wealth. They need to go in with a sound offensive game plan every game. And they need to give what the defense has taken them. And if Deshaun Watson is, has a bit of a knee injury earlier on in the year, they don't want to show a lot um, just to keep some stuff, uh, you know, uh, in the playbook for later in the season, then that's what you have to do to win. And ultimately that's the most important thing. Um, 
So one other thing that I think could have set Deshaun Watson apart and, and you know, could have helped his case um, was not pulling away from Louisville in that Louisville game, given the opportunity. Because even though Deshaun Watson won the head-to-head over him, everybody came out of that game just talking about how good Lamar Jackson was. You know, up 28-10 to 10 at halftime, if you keep pulling away then and don't have those two interceptions in the second half, then, you know, that's a different ball game. That's different stats for Lamar Jackson, different stats for Deshaun Watson. But Clemson was outscored 26-14 to 14 in the second half of that game. So I think if you didn't see that and Clemson did continue to pull away and it was more of a blowout, that completely different story in, in regards to the Heisman race. That's a great point. You talk about momentum swings. Uh, they're, they're real. And one of them, as you guys mentioned in the episode last week, was when Dorno Daniel missed that, that targeting, where he missed the tackle and he targeted. That game would have been over, uh, blowout. Well, similarly, if we would have shut down uh, Lamar Jackson in the second half of that Louisville game, if, if well, for one, it, like you said, it started with the interceptions. Ray Ray, just a ball right off his hands in the air, interception, uh, giving Lamar Jackson a lot more time on the field, a lot more time for Petrino to uh, exploit our defense, our tired and fatigued defense at that point. And then all, all of a sudden, like you said, you come away, Lamar Jackson's got this great trajectory. He was a loser, but he was, you know, the best player in a loss, or that was the, that was the narrative when it should have been Lamar Jackson just gave away the Heisman uh, lead to Deshaun Watson. He should have, we, we were absolutely in his head. We were shutting him down in that first half. Uh, we gave him too much. We gave him too much breathing room there in the in the second half. Yeah, and especially with an offense like that and a running quarterback like Mark Jackson is, I mean, eventually the defense is going to get worn down a bit. So um, the fact that Clemson was unable to capitalize on offense when given the opportunity to really drive the dagger in, which is you know a theme that we've seen play out all year, is the inability to do so. Um, yeah, then that becomes a close game. Jackson's stat line is. Just as good, if not better, than Deshaun Watson's for that game, um, especially when you um, take into account the rushing yards. So, you know, but at the end of the day, Clemson won the ball game, and kind of going back to that theme, what's better for the team? You know, Clemson won. So, it, not going to pout too much about that, I would say. Right. I mean, it, it is what it is. I think there's bigger and better things ahead of of Deshaun Watson now, and. I will say I, I read a, a piece from, uh, I can't remember who it was, um, just saying that Deshaun Watson was, it might have been David Hood, Deshaun Watson was angry after not being uh, or, or awarded the Heisman, which I was kind of surprised. I thought maybe he kind of had, you know, took the pulse of uh, mainstream media and understood that he probably would not be the selection. But he, he believed in his mind he is the best quarterback and that he should have won the award. Um, he didn't He didn't win it. He was upset, didn't talk to media afterwards. So, uh, I don't know, I, I think you, you have a bit of a, uh, an angered Deshaun Watson going into the playoffs, and if you use last year as any, any sort of sign, then um, that's a good indication for Clemson. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson standing there on whatever it is, January 9th, uh, ho- uh, you know, holding up the, the national uh, championship trophy and possibly the game in, being the game MVP in that one, then... Does the Heisman really matter that much? Maybe not. Uh, but let's so let's now make the case for Watson. Let's roll into that um, oh, because yeah. I <laughs> or for why. What for have we been doing the last twenty minutes? Now go ahead. Well, I don't. I don't think we've been making the case for Watson. I don't think we've been making the case against him. Let's talk about some of the things that um, 
that you could argue why he should have won that. And I think we can start with, we mentioned a little bit of how he ended the season, um, which was on an incredible clip. Over his last five games, uh, his passing percentage was almost you know, close to 75% for over 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns. Um, he was averaging over 350 yards of offense a game. So, I mean, that's a way to close out a season. And he didn't end on two losses like Lamar Jackson did. You know, Deshaun Watson had Jackson beat him pretty much every passing stat out there. His completion percentage was 10 points better. Um, but again, though, the Heisman's not the best quarterback award. It's for the best player. But it, based on his numbers, based on how he ended the season, I think that's one of the things that you can argue because he's now on the, playing in the college football playoff on the number two team in the nation. Lamar Jackson's playing in some other bowl game against LSU. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think it's just, it's being a winner. And this is the thing they never talk about is the the lifetime achievement aspect, the how'd you play last year. And it shouldn't be a, a cumulative uh, assessment of how did you play this year and last year. It should just be for the, the, the given season. But, I mean, that's the way that voters have leaned in, in previous years. It, it's it's a bit of a political award in that sense. Um, and, and, and because of that, I think there's no better person that represents the Heisman and uh, representing his university, his character, all those great things about Deshaun Watson that he's, he's demonstrated over the last two years. And then, of course, winning, just winning, his team winning. And, and, and interceptions aside, when it, when it came down to moments against Louisville, Florida State, even Alabama, uh, Oklahoma from last year, he, pr- he proved to be a winner. Like that's, that's nothing more, um, nothing more uh, kind of illustrates what the, the Heisman is supposed to be than what he is. So it's kind of like uh, when Peyton Manning lost, uh, uh, was it uh, Woodson, Charles Woodson, back in like 98. You know, 97. It was a 97, yeah. okay. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Um, but, hey, you know, if that's, that's the company he's, he's, he's with, then not, not, such a bad, not such a bad company to be with. Yeah, I think if he ends up with Peyton Manning's career, he'll be doing just fine. Uh, but listen, it's not just winning. It's who you're winning against. And if you want to specifically look at this year, Clemson had a much tougher strength of schedule than Louisville did. Um, you know, they faced 11 bowl-eligible teams compared to Louisville's seven. Uh, Clemson played seven teams with a record over 500, going 6-1 and one against those teams. Louisville only played four teams with a record over 500, and they went 1-3. and three. They went 1-3 and three against teams with a record over 500. So I think that's a stat right there that points to Deshaun Watson had incredible numbers against much better opponents and ended up with a better record. And, and who was Lamar Jackson? His, his statement game, Lamar Jackson's, was initially Florida State. And that's one of those nuance. And, and people don't seem, in, in 2016, they don't understand nuance. Everything's, it's, it's a binary way of thinking. It's A, it's B, it's me, it's you. Um, but there's a lot of nuance. Florida State, at the beginning of the year, was, uh, they were a horrible, horrible, horrible defense. And they were, they were um, kind of, they weren't, uh, I guess, in the best spot. And Louisville got to them. They exploited them. But throughout the course of the year, Florida State improved. And by the time Clemson played them, they were a much better defense, and they were playing them at home. That's the kind of – that's the nuance no one wants to account for. And then, of course, LJ's other Heisman statement game, I guess, was against Syracuse. And Syracuse, really? And yeah, that come was, on, and that was, in, was that September or it was That was also Schusler's Heisman statement game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yes, there is a lot to be said about that, about who you're playing against. You know, I think by the time Clemson faced Florida State, I thought they were 
at that point, a better football team and a tougher test than Louisville ultimately was when we played them. So, you know, I think there is that does hold hold a lot of weight. And nobody talked about that a lot. The national media never pointed that out, um, you know, who you're playing against. Although they will bring it up when they're talking about a team like Washington from the Pac-12 making an argument against them for making it into the playoff because of who they played, their strength of schedule. Um, But when it comes to the Heisman vote, they don't bring it up at all. Right. And, you know, the th- another thing I've heard, Deshaun Watson getting knocked, and I don't know how much this was really a, a huge factor, but in certain awards, I think it was a factor where he, he had the better supporting cast. And I've heard that narrative um, as it relates to Lamar Jackson. But isn't that, I, I mean, you can make an argument that that's, that benefits you more, but it also that it benefits you less as a, as, as a way of racking up more stats. Because for Lamar Jackson, it definitely benefited him that he got so much um, time to run, so many design plays, um, and they basically could construct the offense to fit his skill set. And Petrino does that. He's, been known, he's known to do that. He uses quarterbacks in ways where we can accentuate all of your best things. And, and for Clemson, it's more how can we be a better offense? How can we get Mike Williams the ball? How can we get Jordan Leggett the ball? How can we be better uh, in, in zone running and zone blocking and getting um, – getting Gallman involved. So, I mean, you could equally say it's great to have Mike Williams as a pass catcher, but at the same time, it also hurts Deshaun in a way, like I kind of alluded to earlier, that if you're in a goal line situation, we're going to give it to, to Gallman. You know, it's, you're not going to get those extra 10, maybe even 15 touchdowns. I'd have to look at the stats um, to pad your stats. Yeah, and why risk injury to the best player on your football team there in a goal line situation when you have other guys that can punch it in? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, kind of speaking of that Syracuse game, that was you know another situation where Jackson also played a lot more garbage time minutes this year than Deshaun Watson did. Uh, the Clemson coaches were very good when Clemson got a big lead uh, to get Deshaun Watson out of there and get a guy like Schusler and Kelly Bryan in there. Um, in part to protect Watson, but also because these guys need playing time. Um, you know, you didn't see that from Louisville. Uh, Bolin, their backup quarterback, did not uh, get a lot of snaps this year. I think he got about a third of the snaps that the Clemson's backups did. So I, I think you have to take that in consideration, too. Um, so, you know, that combined with everything else is, is you know, and Jackson being the premier number one weapon and not – you know, with nobody being a close second on that football team, you know, that accounts to him putting up more numbers. Right. Just uh, a lot in a lot of ways, a team engineered to accentuate Lamar Jackson's best features and his, and his skill set, but also a, a way to for him to get to that Heisman level, uh, I guess, front front runner type status. And the odds in a lot of ways were sacked against Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And that's performance aside. That Louisville team was engineered to get Lamar Jackson the Heisman. This Clemson team is engineered to win a national championship. Exactly. And, you know, we have, we have Hunter Johnson, Chase Bryce, maybe Trevor Lawrence in the fold. We don't need to wave a Heisman Trophy around to a new recruit. For Louisville, that's an important, uh, it's important to have in your back pocket, for sure. That being said, we'll gladly take one. Um, <laughs> so... Let me, uh, let me ask you this, Cody. Now that Deshaun Watson has failed to win the Heisman for, for the second year in a row, 
if Clemson goes on to lose the national title game for a second year in a row and Watson doesn't project as a first-round pick, which he's not projecting as now, do you think he returns this year? Because we've heard some talk uh, in passing this year from him of like that, that gives Clemson fans the smallest amount of hope, and I don't know if we should be holding on to that. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a – I think it is a foregone conclusion that he's gone. But is, that, is there that glimmer of hope if those things happen? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think I can make an argument for him to come back and not just one of, you know, waving a Clemson flag, orange tinted glasses. Um, please come back, Deshaun. Um, not, I, I think I can make it in that he would be better out financially and uh, professionally if he were to come back. And, and I think it's quite clear if he is grading out as a second or uh, even a third rounder. And I don't think he will. Ultimately, I think he'll, he'll move up into first, first round strong consideration. But if, if that's where he's landing, uh, there's a lot of things that I think he can improve on. Um, and it, you saw it this year, just his accuracy. I think he will get better, and he can showcase that. And there, and we talk about it all the time on this podcast. If you're number one pick, uh, if you're even a top five pick, the, the team is putting a lot in into you. They've been, they're investing a lot into you. Therefore, they are going to give you a longer leash. They're going to give you uh, allow you to make some mistakes. Uh, if you're if you're a second, even third round pick, a lot of times, hey, if you're a bust, you're a bust. Um, you, you're, if you're a career backup, that's what we want you to be. But uh, they're not as they're not as going a team's not going to be as willing to to put you as the face of the franchise. Um, so there is a reason I think he he could come back, improve on things that I think he will improve on. Absolutely, like the interceptions, and then go back become a you know a fr- face of a franchise, top five pick, maybe even first overall pick. Well, and I, I guess it also is more attractive to go late in the first round as a, um, to a better franchise as opposed to going one, uh, let's say, to Cleveland. Like, nobody wants to end up with that franchise. But at the same time, you fall into the second round, you risk going as the first-round pick to Cleveland in the second round if, if they do indeed have that, um, if they haven't traded it away or something. but Yeah, and I don't think you aim to be with certain franchises or not be with a certain franchise. I don't think Have you, you put seen that the Cleveland your... Browns play recently? If that maybe they're the only franchise that you intentionally just say, "Hey, I'm going back to school. Screw this." But aside from them, I don't think you try to cherry pick which ones you will and will not go to. Yeah, there's a lot of money on the table, and you know, college football, you know, all great football players have an ego to some degree and probably think they can go there and, and turn it around, especially if you're hyped as the well, if you'd have a lot of hype going into that city, wherever it may be. So, um, yeah, just an interesting question. You know, I was just thinking, you know, it was really important. He wanted to win the Heisman this year, and I'm sure, he, you know, just as equally wants to, if not more, wants to win a national championship. So just be interesting if those two things didn't happen and he wasn't projecting to go as high. If there's a window of, uh, of hope there for Clemson fans, but uh, we'll – We'll take a national championship in this, uh, this year and see Deshaun get drafted, and we'll all be pretty happy. Um, so that being said, how big of a step back do you think Clemson takes next year without Watson? Let's talk about not what he means to college football, but what he means to Clemson in general. Because in your opinion, is he the greatest Clemson football player of all time? He's the GOAT. I think he's the GOAT. No, Nuke, Nuke Hopkins tweeted it out. He's the he's regardless of what happened in the Heisman ceremony, he's he's the best of all time, and I think he we could lose to Ohio State, and I think he completes his three year Clemson as the as the best Clemson player of all time. So so I mean that being said, you know again we do have some quarterback talent on the roster in 
Kelly Bryant and Zarek Cooper, who I think is going to be and uh, hoping to be uh, a really good quarterback and even could take over the, the starting job next year. But we also got guys like Hunter Johnson uh, on the way, Chase Bryce, who just won the Georgia 7A national uh, or state championship yesterday. And then, like you mentioned, possibly Trevor Lawrence. I mean, there's a lot of guys and talent in the stable there. I know that going into next year, all of them will be untested for the most part. I know Kelly Bryant gets snaps, but he doesn't get to pass a lot, so we don't really know what he can do there. How big of a step back does Clemson take, even with all the talent they're going to have returning on both sides of the ball? Yeah, it's, it's really tough to say. I think I think that whoever steps in at quarterback this year or next year will have a better offensive line and potentially skill players just I won't say a lot better but I think they'll have they'll be slightly better in skill positions uh, you could equally make the opposite argument uh, because Gallman Williams and, and Artavis Scott will be will be gone but uh, I think with the offensive line that will help hopefully um, to who, whoever comes in next year I, you know it I think the guy's Hunter Johnson I know that might be a kind of a, a long shot right now, but I think he's the guy. I think he's the most talented. However, if, if it is Brian, if it's someone that that we've seen, uh, but we don't know what we're getting, I, I think there's going to be quite a, a drop-off. And then, you know, we, we've criticized the, the offensive coordinators a bit this year. Um, I think they're going to be under the microscope because uh, Deshaun Watson, in a way, he's very forgiving. And when he's your quarterback, you're not going to have that type of uh, – of cushion there uh, next year. Yeah, he covers up a lot of inadequacies. Uh, but listen, I think Clemson stands to be in really good shape looking to next year. It's not like we got some bum coming in uh, to at the quarterback position. Whoever wins that job next year is going to be a really, really talented quarterback, and they're going to have an improved offensive line. They're still going to have fantastic skill position players, and the defense stands to be better. I mean, the defensive line. Uh, has a lot of studs re- returning. We're going to have a good linebacker court. We should be better in the secondary. Yeah, and the, the reason I guess I say we can be better as skill players, and because I, I think that's a stretch when you look at it on paper, but I just don't think the skill players had it that great of a season this year. I, I think there were so many drops at wide, wide receiver position. Uh, Jordan Leggett had a couple, I believe, and a couple of fumbles at running back. I think even though the the skill was there this year, I don't think I think I don't think Mike Williams quite lived up uh, to his overall potential, and you know maybe that had to do with his injury. I mean, still had a tremendous tremendous season, but next year Deion Kane, uh, I think will be a step better. I think T Higgins is going to be the most talented Clemson wide receiver uh, that's come in uh, since Sammy Watkins, and I think he's even better. Whether or not that comes to fruition, whether or not he can put it on the field, another story. But I think he is that good. And I think Feaster, as a, as a raw talent, has a, a lot more potential than really anybody we've had at running back since C.J. Spiller. Yeah, I mean, I think you just, I mean, given that, I think you just need a guy to come in and perform to a level like maybe Jalen Hurts did this year as a freshman. You put a good enough team around them. Listen, I know everybody's hyping Jalen Hurts, and he's done a really good job this year. But his stats aren't incredibly impressive you know he, he managed the game like he need to he could run um he's not they don't let him pass as much yet they don't need him to I mean Alabama's a dominant football team and given the fact that Clemson you know I think minus the quarterback's not going to be as good but you know skill positions yeah losing Mike Williams is going to hurt and Artavis Scott uh but we we got some really good guys to come in there and take the starting roles next year so I think we've got a pretty solid team looking ahead to next year um, and I don't think that 
the sky is going to fall on this Clemson football program, even with Deshaun Watson, the greatest of all time, leaving. No, not at all. And maybe a last thing is it, it's the offensive line, in my in my opinion. That was a lot of the reason I feel like we weren't great. We didn't take the the step to be in an elite all time offense. It's not to say they weren't good; they just weren't great like we thought they would be. Next year, um, some really good freshmen uh, from this year I think will take a step forward. Uh, Hyatt and hopefully for Morgan take a step forward. Uh, you get you get all your guys back, and that is uh, a very seasoned. Experienced, talented offensive line—it's got everything. Depth—it's uh, that could be kind of the thing that propels us into a into potentially being a lead offense next year. Yeah, we may not be putting up forty plus points a game, but it could still be into the thirties. Um, so before we get off the Heisman uh, uh, topic here, you know, we saw Louisville win their first Heisman. Clemson has yet to win one. Cody, looking at the current roster of underclassmen and also the high school commits that we have, who do you think has the best chance of becoming Clemson's first Heisman winner if that was to happen in the next four years? Good question. So I think you have to look at just the offense because if history tells you anything, I mean, it could be Christian Wilkins if we start using him as a tight end and, uh, you know, a, I guess. A, hey, a we, we, need a tight, we need a tight end for a, a pass catching tight end next year. You saw his moves against. I can't even. I don't even remember who that was, but it, he's on that fake. He he's got some explosiveness. Um, I guess that was NC State. Uh, he's not. He's not a bad candidate if you're going to try to you know do what what Michigan's done and and campaign for for someone. He would be a good guy to do that. But uh, so so looking on just offense. Back to your original question. It's got to be a quarterback. So I'm I'm looking at whoever our starting quarterback would be next year. Um, and I, for me again, I think it's Hunter Johnson, uh, not taking anything away from the other guys, but that guy is, is, is a five star. He's the best quarterback in the class for a reason. I think he'll be the starter. I don't know if he would, I don't think he'd win the Heisman as a true freshman. Uh, that's unheard of unprecedented, but, uh, within you, you said in a four year span and year two, maybe year three, uh, again, all those offensive linemen becoming, becoming upperclassmen. I think he would be a, a, a clear favorite if we're talking about just the next four years who, who would you have yeah i mean listen Lee, th- this is pretty much exclusively a quarterback or running back award um and speaking of michigan there's been no defensive player selected since woodson as we mentioned in 1997 and then no non-quarterback or running back offensive player since desmond howard in michigan back in 1991 so i mean that tells you it's it's very, very high percentage, 90, 95% chance it's going to go to a quarterback and running back. So when we narrow it down to those, you know, the guys in my mind right now, I'll leave us with Tavion Feaster, Hunter Johnson, and I'm going to throw Zarek Cooper out there. I think, I think Clemson uh, fans don't know what they have yet in him as a quarterback, and I think that's really going to come out uh, in the spring game. Uh, and again, I think he has a good shot at being the starting quarterback for this football team next year. So Given the weapons that he will have around him, I'm not saying it's going to happen next year, but he'll have a few years in the program. I kind of like him as a as a dark horse pick, uh, even over Hunter Johnson. I, I like that, and and I guess by by picking him, you're also projecting him to be the starter. Um, a couple things about him: it looks like he's grown. If I if I see him on the sideline, send him next to Deshaun Watson. Uh, he, he came in listed at I think six three, maybe six four, but he looks like he's a couple inches taller than Deshaun. So. He might be six five. Um, that's definitely an advantage as a quarterback. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, some a lot of those tip balls that we saw from Deshaun Watson this year go away when you're that tall of a quarterback. Right, right. You have a, your vision. Everything is is better. Um, so, and he's not your traditional dual threat. 
But, uh, but again, I think pass protection is going to be better next year. He's going to be a passer uh, that, that has some scrambling dual threat ability. Uh, and he's going to have good receivers. So uh, he, that's a good – I really like that dark horse pick. And, and he is – I won't say he is the equivalent of Deshaun Watson uh, when you compare their, their like high school senior years uh, as passers. But he is close in terms of the touch, his accuracy. He's not – too far off from where Deshaun Watson was also, you know, around the same time in his career. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And again, we're not saying that it's going to happen, but it's, you know, Clemson now has the, the stable of talent that it's possible. And they have, uh, they're an elite enough football team where it's possible. So I, I think it's, it'll be pretty interesting to watch all this unfold. And, you know, personally, deep down, of course, I still am pulling for Christian Wilkins to, to, to come in there and make some great, offensive and, and special teams plays in addition to his uh his, his ability on defense and uh and, i mean what what better character to win a heisman than christian wilkins that's a great point and uh i was gonna say if i can make two dark horse candidates that are not quarterbacks or running backs i'm gonna go with a t higgins b amari rogers and amari amari because i think he's got punt returning uh field goal you know he can return some kicks he could potentially be that guy, but also a guy you would use out of the backfield as a running back at wide receiver. He he could potentially be that guy. Really, really like those two wide receivers from Tennessee. Yeah, now you're just naming every Thank four you, to five star rec- Now you're just naming every four to five uh, star recruit that we have. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so yeah, we, we will we will uh, move on from the Heisman here. It was disappointing uh, not to see Deshaun Watson get his name called, even though we pretty much knew who was going to win, or at least the media was telling us who was going to win going into the game. Um, but nonetheless, it doesn't take anything away from what Deshaun Watson has done this year and what he has left to do. Um, I'm, we've got hopefully two games left with him on this Clemson football team, and I'm looking forward to them. Um, before we move on, Cody, I know Tiger Net, um, they sold out of their uh, package for the Fiesta Bowl, but they have one now for the national championship game. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, check it out. Go. Uh, I mean, you can go online. It's, it's. I think it's pinned to the top of the TigerNet post just to, to check out the packages. Um, there's different ones you can choose from, but they include uh, things like airfare. There's a pregame uh, party uh, that you get to take part in with other Clemson fans. There's um, there's uh, transportation from a hotel to the uh, to the game. There's hotel that's that's built in. So. Definitely check that out. I think it was uh, it's good that they sold out quickly. I hope that's a good indicator for the uh, the Fiesta Bowl. I hope we have a good showing from Clemson fans. But looks like that one sold out. Check it out for the national championship game. Two hundred dollar fully refundable deposit, so you will get your money back. But go, go check that out. Uh, join your, your fellow Clemson fans, and uh, what what a great time of year. I lo- I love the holidays, and I love the holidays when when Clemson is in the playoff. All right, right, sounds sounds good. good. Well, uh, hopefully Hopefully that that extends extends to two games like it did last year. Um, Cody, how about we hand out some hardware? Like everybody else is doing this time of year, we're going to hand out our version of regular season's awards for the Clemson football team. Um, Cody, I don't know what we're calling these. Are they the the podcasties, the the paw award? How are we going to go here? The podcasties? I don't know. You know, you can't spring this on me right now. Why don't we leave that as a working title and uh, we'll maybe come up with something better for next year. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, the first one here is pretty obvious and we're going to go with the offensive player of the year. And, you know, across the board, all three of us had Deshaun Watson. And I don't think there's any arguing that fact. 
No, no. I and yeah, he he's probably your team MVP. It, where it's interesting is who is your number two, who's your number, and where, who's your number three? Right. So for me, Mike Williams was my number two. I think he made incredible catches all year long. It was great to see him come back from injury and just have an absolutely amazing season. Um, and then I had Wayne Gallman uh, down at number three because really, where would this football team be without him this year, considering? Uh, the struggles that we had a little bit in the running game, and then nobody really stepped up as the number two rusher. But I've got Williams ahead of him because he had the most all-purpose yards at 90 a game this year than anybody else on the Clemson football team. So I, I think uh, even with the wide receiver talent that we had, that he was pretty val- valuable. Yeah, I, I think that's a – I had Wayne Gallman as my number two. I, I, th- I think he – and limited uh, spaces and, 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 and running lanes. He, he tended to make things happen on his own. And just like he's been the last two or three years, just so physical. Uh, I was so impressed with his performance. Not as talented as a Mike Williams or a lot of guys, but it seems to make every ounce of talent he has go as far as he can take it. And uh, so I think you could take him. Or for me, I had Mike Williams three. Uh, either one of those guys, uh, incredible years. Uh, Tully had Jordan Leggett at number three, uh, and then, of course, Wayne Gallman, number two. Yeah, and that's an interesting pick, actually, in Jordan Leggett. You know, he kind of got off to a slow start this year as well, but he had some big catches and some some big games later in the season. Had some to, to I think, was, did he have two uh, go-ahead touchdowns uh, uh, to win games for us this year? I believe so, and you, and you can say whenever the, the – the biggest moments of the season, he was the guy or one of the guys that came through every time, even though he didn't do it, you know, it's what it seemed like every every week. Yeah, so actually interesting for me that he did not win uh, the tight end award this year, whichever, uh, I can't remember what award that is, but he, uh, I think it was the Mackey Award. Mackey Award, yeah. Yeah, Jake Butt from Michigan actually won that one, and with, with, with not as good stats, um, you know, Mackey, or sorry, but only 518 yards and four TDs this year compared to Leggett's 637 and seven. So kind of interesting. Uh, I'm surprised actually a lot of Clemson, other Clemson players, you know, they said how much skill position, uh, good skill position players we had and made that as an excuse for why Deshaun didn't win the Heisman, but they weren't actually up for a lot of awards. So that, that argument doesn't hold a lot of water for me. Right. I, I think for Leggett, um, as talented as anyone, I think it was, but maybe by design, maybe by just getting other guys reps, getting them targets. He didn't. He wasn't featured the way that he would have been featured had he played for Michigan. But uh, but still, a uh, heck of a year and, and great overall career for Leggett. And that's one of the greatest, the best things about seeing a guy from freshman to the senior year, especially a guy that comes back when he didn't have to. He he could have went to the NFL. But he got better every year, including in this last year. I think he, he, he took his game to an even, uh, an even uh, larger step in his senior season. Yeah, I think it's safe to say though, that Jake Butt is uh, probably a better uh, a blocker than Leggett does. <laughs> he did get better as a blocker, uh, Leggett did. But still, I think, I think that's definitely an area of improvement. He'll need to keep working on that. Well, hopefully he can get, that, uh, get into shape with that one uh, here in December uh, before we head into the playoffs. Uh, so let's switch it over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, a lot of options here, I think. Um, I actually had a pick that neither of you guys had as my number one, and that's Carlos Watkins. And the reason I have him there is he led the team uh, with 10.5 tackles for loss, 8.5 sacks. One of the 
weaknesses of the defense from last year, as good as they were, was the lack of pressure that came from the defensive tackles. And that changed this year, and that was a big reason why this defense has been so successful. And I think Carlos Watkins, again, leading the team in those two categories, um, is a big part of that. And this defense is not nearly as good if the defensive line wasn't as dominant as they were this year. It exposes more of our weaknesses in the secondary and our weaknesses in coverage at the linebacker position. So that's why I have Carlos Watkins as my number one. Uh, followed up at number two with Christian Wilkins. Even though he may be the most valuable player on the defense just because of his versatility and the way he was able to cover up uh, at defensive end and switch over when Austin Bryant went down because we were a little thin there. Um, so, again, an argument that may be made for him. And then I've got Kendall Joseph. I thought he had a hell of a year uh, at linebacker. Um, he, he was second on team in the tackles um, and up there high in some other categories as well. And I think as a playmaker that he outplayed Ben Bullware as much as Ben Bullware is the heart of the football team on that side of the ball. Wow. So I was the only one that had Bullware in my top three. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, Joseph had a good year. I, I Wow. I don't know. Uh, Bullware had an, a, a really, really good year. Very reliable. So a couple of games where he just played out of his mind. And I think uh, one value of Bullware that we tend to overlook is his ability to be physical in every single play. The way that when he doesn't make tackles, he takes out the lead block that leads to the tackle, or the way he's able to get off tackles, and a lot of linebackers, including Kendall Joseph, gets and at times can get caught up behind. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick one out, you know, for Ben Bowyer. Uh, well, not because I had him at number two, and you guys. Well, had him. not to mention that he's the only guy on the team that's gonna make a highlight reel for an arm tackle. Right, the WWE man. The, <laughs> yeah, he has the best highlight video. He has the best wrestling moves on the team. I think uh, that's without a doubt. In all seriousness, he did, he is in a way the the heart and soul of the team. He brings a level of intensity that I think I think it, uh, it kind of rubs off or bleeds over to everyone else. So for me, though, I, I did have Christian Wilkins, and I think it was for the reasons you mentioned is in that his his versatility, needing someone uh, a strong side defensive end. I don't think we had a great option if if, if Christian Wilkins doesn't play that position. If he can't. I don't think the defense looks as good as it, as it was this year. Uh, so I take that into account, not to mention he also is one of the biggest leaders on the defense. So because of that, I give him the number one. I, get, I went also into Carlos Watkins at number three. I think any three of those guys you could have at number one. So I don't fault you for having him at number one uh, because he was incredible getting penetration all year. Yeah, and uh, Tully had big decks at number two, a guy that did not make any of our lists, um, at least for this particular category. And – you know, I still think at the end of the day that Carlos Watkins was more of a factor uh, than Dexter Lawrence this year. But having Dexter, La Dexter Lawrence and his emergence, especially when Scott Pagano went down uh, for several games here at the end of the year, that he was a big influence on that defense. Right. Just the fact that he, you know, he can top a top three list and no one really thinks too much of it. Uh, it is a great sign going into next year, and that you know, we're talking about we're not even including guys like NFL player to be, you know, Cordero Tankersley or and then. Uh, Jadar Johnson. So um, this is a, a good list, and it, you know that's great to see him at number two. Well, so speaking of uh, Dexter Lawrence, let's go now to our freshman player of the year, and uh, there he is. I've got him at number one. You know, he was fourth on the team in tackles, uh, third in tackles for loss, second in sacks, and first in QB pressures. He was the only guy on the team in the top four of all those categories. So. As a true freshman, what he was able to come in and do is an absolutely fantastic year for Dexter Lawrence. I followed that up by a redshirt freshman, Cleveland Farrell, 
uh, he made a big jump at the defensive end position this year. Um, he was high in a lot of those categories I just mentioned. And then I've got Sean Pollard as my third position because I think the way that he came in as a true freshman this year and stepped in when Jake from Morgan uh, kind of stepped away from the, from the football team here at the end of the season, I think that the way he was able to come in and hold his own and you know help protect Deshaun Watson, I thought that was huge for this football team. Yeah, he's solidified the right side. Um, he's he's a heck. He's going to be a heck of a player. I even think uh, he he's an upgrade there at right tackle. The way from Morgan was playing, you know, hope he gets better. I think he will be better next year. But at this point, uh, Pollard is look good, and he is a, a better player. Um, I actually went with, with uh, Cleveland Farrell because maybe I just wanted to go against the grain and not pick Dexter Lawrence, but. Uh, I think he's a little bit uh, undershadowed, um, or he has been this year, overlooked, we'll say. he He's had a, a tremendous year, and uh, I think other guys have been so good that they've, take, they've taken away a little bit of, of his shine, but he's been great. Dexter Lawrence, I'd probably give put him in that number one spot had he been a starter all year long, like Farrell. Um, but, you know, coming in, like you said, to, to back Pagano, you've gotten to see how good he can be when he gets a, a large enough snap count. And then Kayvon Wallace, I went with him at number three. Uh, you know, not. I guess you could Pollard might have been a better option potentially. Uh, it, you, you don't. You didn't see guys getting a whole lot of playing time at, as, as freshmen, aside from uh, maybe like Wallace, Pollard, a couple of the wide receivers. But um, I'm going to go with Wallace just because he looked good. Um, I think he's got a very bright, bright future. Whether it's whether it's playing in that nickel position or moving back to safety, but um, future is very bright. Yeah, and then it looks like uh, Tully had a hanging chat on that one. Didn't get to that on his ballot. So we'll move on. Um, so now let's go to who we have as our most improved player this year. And for me, that's where Kendall Joseph pops back up. And I've got him at number one. Again, I, I rattled off his stats. And I think the jump that he made from, from last year to this year to really bolster this linebacking core that had absolutely no depth last year was huge for this football team. Again, numbers uh, – comparable if not a little bit better in categories to Ben Bulware. Right. Tremendous year. Um, I did not pick him number one. I think that's just because he was good last year, I believe. I just think he was injured and you know you could you could factor in injury as a reason for improvement. But for me, um, I put him in number two. I had Marcus Edmond at number one. I think he really did improve. He what he did get some playing time last year. He wasn't very good. It wasn't a lot of playing time. Um, I did not think this guy after I guess last year was his third year in the program after as a redshirt sophomore year I didn't think this I thought he was probably going to transfer I didn't see any way he would get meaningful playing time and he did uh he did this year end up getting to start when he was healthy two of the biggest moments of the season were because of him so um and then and then Carlos Watkins was my number three kind of uh Nick or Tully also had him at number three and that's because he actually played really had a really good season last year However, I think he took his game to such a, a another higher level that we didn't think he could get to. Um, you know, kudos to that. Whenever you're already all ACC and you you only take your game even further. Yeah, and I actually had him at number two on my list. Um, number three on my list, I actually had uh, Mark Fields. Um, you know, there was some maybe not living up to his potential early in the year. There was talk and, and questions uh, in fall camp, but I thought he played better and better as the year went on, um, especially as I, I started to see the weaknesses in, in Tank's coverage that I didn't think it would be there this year. Yeah, he, he, was, he, he showed signs, and uh, I think we have a, a good core there going into next year. So 
Um, and man, if you go back to uh, spring camp, fall camp, they were riding him so hard. And uh, whenever he did play, it was yeah, really the quarterback position was never a, a point of, 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 I won't say weakness, but it was never like a, we didn't lose any games because of the quarterback position. And, and Mark Fields ended up having a pretty solid year whenever he did get playing time. Yeah, and then Tully had uh, Jadar Johnson as number two, and that's an interesting pick for me because he really did have a great season. But the, I guess the reason I didn't think of him as most improved is we really never seen a lot from him. Uh, he didn't get a lot of playing time last year. It was green and curse back there on every, almost every snap in the 2015 season. So, you know, maybe he was already really good and there was not, not much to improve. But, well, that's kind of um, how I, I feel. Know, just, it didn't cross my mind. Uh, no, I, I, he was the first, he was I think the first guy that came to mind for me. But then I thought, nope, he's not getting this award. And not, no fault of his own. He was really good last year, and we the coaches I think made a mistake not to play him more. So I wasn't going to put him as the most improved because I think he was already really good. I think he had two hundred fifty plus snaps, so um, he should have been playing. Yeah, yeah, totally agree on that one. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do our twelfth man award now. Uh, for me, I think that's unquestionably Deion Kane. You know, I think, again, he had some issues with drops earlier in the season, but he was third on the team in uh, receiving yards, second on the team right behind Mike Williams with nine touchdowns on the season. So uh, I think him not being a starter, but coming and getting a lot of playing time, he had some really big clutch catches and uh, really added another dynamic to this offense in the vertical passing game and was a great compliment to Mike Williams. Good pick. I, I take Scott Pagano, and he, he – you have to – I mean, I believe you have to admit over the last two years uh, in, for Clemson, he's probably been the most overlooked player on the entire roster, on the entire team. Absolutely. Uh, he is – and I, I think even with having Dex step up and play so well, I still think we miss him. Yeah, we missed him the last few weeks of the season um, because when, in goal line situations and short yardage mm-hmm. situations – he, uh, he's not going to be the guy like Carlos Watkins or even Big Dex that's going to get all that penetration through the gap. But, man, he's not going to – he's going to get leverage and he's going to push his, guys, his guy back, and that's going to be a huge asset once we get him back healthy. For that, for that reason, I had him at, at, as my number one. Yeah, and moving down the list at number two, I actually had Dorian O'Daniel. Um, looking, you saw what happened when he went out of the Virginia Tech game. I thought he played a lot better as the year went on. You know, he had – he tied for third with nine tackles for loss this year, um, and that was with only 374 snaps. A uh, very low snap count, actually, when you compare it to some of these other guys, but he still put up some good numbers getting into the backfield. Had two and a half sacks as well. I think Daniel didn't make my list, but only because, in a way, I feel like he is like a 12th starter in the way we use, utilize the nickel, Sam. Uh, but yeah, he would, he would probably be my number one, if not number two, if, if, if you know, taking that into consideration. I had Ryan Carter, and you can make that same argument for him in that he was kind of a, a 12th man who would rotate into that, that nickel, sometimes play cornerback. Uh, he was like a, I call him a utility man. He could play any position in the secondary, really. Um, and I, I think just that, ter- that type of flexibility and the way we needed that to, to kind of mask some inexperience that we had, I think, think was a huge, uh, huge asset for the team. And then third, I had Ray Ray. Um, I don't know. I just I think he was. I'm not putting any of the special teams <laughs> not for uh, special into consideration. Uh, <laughs> only only what he did on offense. I thought he had a tremendous year. Kind of faded there at the end. You, you kind of saw him and Deion Kane kind of flip flop. But uh, you know, don't forget his his uh, work early in the year at wide receiver. I think he he's been pretty solid all year. 
Yeah, and I actually had Sean Pollard at number three, and I already mentioned what he meant to this team. And if you actually named this award most valuable 12th man, I probably would have given it to him uh, just because of what he had to step in and do there at right tackle and that we did have other really good wide receivers and other guys on defense. Uh, but just for performance-wise, I did have, have him down at, at third on my list. All right, let's flip it now. Let's talk about the coaches. Uh, so for, for the Coach of the Year Award, we specifically – Left out two people, obviously. Dabo is one of those. But Brent Venable seemed like too obvious of a choice. Um, he won a Coordinator uh, of the Year award at the, uh, the national media level. So good for him. That's deservingly so. But we wanted to kind of take a deeper dive um, there and go to some of the assistants. Uh, I actually had Dan Brooks as mine. Uh, again, I mentioned uh, the, the turn that the defensive tackles made this year and how disruptive they were on the inside and what that meant to this defense. He also won the assistant, the national assistant coach of the year award. So mine goes to Dan Brooks. You can't go wrong. I mean, you look at that defensive line unit and it's, it was the best on the team. Um, and that's where my head go. That's where, that's where I'm looking. And I, I thought Dan Brooks and I said, Hey, you know what? Let's go with Marion hobby. Uh, two years in a row. Now you talk about player development, you can go back to Kevin Dodd, who we thought probably would never pan out. He's a second-round draft pick. Now you have to work with uh, Cleveland Farrell, who hasn't played football in two years and uh, who is you know, just still a redshirt freshman. Uh, you got to work with Austin Bryant's injury, um, getting him back from injury, and then move a defensive tackle out to defensive end in, in Christian Wilkins. And, hey, Christian Wilkins was an All-American. So, I mean, you can't – this guy's amazing. Uh, just keeps developing guys. Why the heck any of these guys like uh, Malik Herring or uh, Zach Carter want to go anywhere but Clemson? At, at least at, at this point in time, I have no idea. But um, I think you know, we, have, we have quite a stable of defensive ends, and a lot of that has to do with coaching, player development, and Marion Hobby. Yeah, and you just take a look at the coaching staff in general on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there's a reason why Clemson's defenses has – have been so good the last few years and it's not just because of talent it's because of this coaching staff um so we're very fortunate to have these guys part of the clemson program and uh, you know it's crossing our fingers that brent venables never wants to leave <laughs> okay now let's uh let's talk about the season here to round out kind of our last few categories here let's uh best moment of the season uh what did you have there cody I took Ed, Edmund, Marcus Edmund's tackle, or I'm sorry, totally wanted me to out. specifically mention it was not a tackle. It was a push out out of bounds. Um, like anybody in Clemson wouldn't remember exactly what happened. So um, anyhow, his push out of, uh, out of bounds against the Louisville defender, which uh, and it, I guess my kind of criteria, the way I was looking at this is what was that moment in the season where you felt like you're hugging your friend, you're high five and, and you feel like we just won a championship. And I feel like more that more so that game than any other game uh, in, was was the moment. It was the Notre Dame from last year. That was that was the moment. Yeah, I totally agree. And I had that at, at number one on my list um, for all the reasons that you mentioned. You know, I, I think just the and we saw it actually a couple of times this year with some dry some stops at the end of games uh, to prevent teams from either tying us or, or going ahead. But that one still sticks out in my mind because that kind of set the table for this Clemson team this year, beating number, I think Louisville was ranked number four at the time. Lamar Jackson was already awarded the Heisman Trophy. Um, so I, I think uh, that moment, yeah, it was. I totally agree, it's pretty awesome. Um, uh, number two for me, I actually had Jordan Leggett 
going airborne for his 34-yard TD to take the lead, the ultimately take the lead, and then go on to win the game against FSU. Um, you know, he had a couple big moments this year, um, big catches uh, to you know give us touchdowns to go ahead late. So he's got he's uh, locked in there, number two for me. That's a good, that's a good one too. Um, and I I had that as actually the number three, the the final drive against FSU because I thought that was another great great moment in a great season. I went number two, the senior send-off versus South Carolina. And I, it's, being from South Carolina, I still don't go crazy about the rivalry. But you could tell, number one, how much it meant to, to you know, beat the brakes off of Carolina. But also, um, as we're, we're sending these seniors off, um, just a feel-good moment. What a, an unbelievable group of seniors, and we'll say the graduating class, because not all of them were actual seniors. Um, that's that's got to be a number two. Yeah, so I actually have that 56-7 game as my uh, third best moment of the season. Uh, you know, I was at that game. It was my first time back in Death Valley since 2007, I believe. Uh, and I was actually there in 2003 for the 63-17 game. So fond memories of that. Uh, the biggest blowout Clemson has had since then and one of the biggest blowouts all time in the history of the series. So to beat your rival like that and to be there for it uh, – either for the second one uh, that we did that as a, a similar beat down to 6317. That was pretty awesome. So we'll wrap it up on that. Um, those are our awards for the year. Um, you know, maybe we'll check back in after if we end up playing two games in the playoff and maybe give out some postseason awards. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it was pretty fun to, to take a look back, you know, to, to come up with these names and, these moments throughout the season and actually had to go back and look at several of these games and dig into the stats. So it was pretty cool to, to relive a lot of those moments. Um, before we close out today, let's touch on basketball real quick. The Clemson basketball team is now six and two on the year. They are coming off a 90 to 47 uh, victory against Mercer on Saturday. It was actually Mercer's worst loss of the year. And they've actually played some pretty good opponents in uh, Florida, George Mason, Davidson and Akron. So, Good to see that this basketball team is handling these weaker opponents well. That was something that the basketball team was not as successful at last season and was a big part of why they ultimately did not make the NCAA tournament. So good to see them taking care of business. Uh, Dante Grantham had a really big game, 19 points. John Blossom game had 16, although a big concern, we mentioned it last time, he was 0 for 4 from 3. He's shooting about 10% from 3 this year. So... That is a bit of concern, but the good thing is, is that the rest of the team seems to be shooting pretty well from three. Uh, Shelton Mitchell has now started two games in a row. He's really looking like he's uh, positioned to take over the starting point guard role, and it's going to be interesting to see how Brad Brownell handles the guards moving forward. Uh, for instance, does Avery Holmes move to the bench uh, and get Marquise Reed back in there starting, and does he pair Avery Holmes with Gabe DeVoe, who has, again, had a, a pretty good season so far. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but for Clemson, man, to have all these guards playing so well, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, uh, Marquise Reed's been—he's definitely a shot in the arm on on offense. I'm I'm really interested to see how things play out in terms of how he gets guys minutes and if they'll be satisfied with the minutes they get uh, because it's a lot of talent. It's it's a good problem to have. Yeah, and it's something that Clemson has not had. It's a problem that we haven't faced uh, in the recent past. So. Good to see that playing out like it is at the guard position. I think the addition of Elijah Thomas coming up here, I don't 
know exactly which game he's coming back for, but it is sometime in December. I think that's going to be huge because we could start to see uh, more of a scoring threat from the post position, uh, something that we're not really getting from City Jate. Yeah, we are getting good defense from him, but he does have a tendency to get in foul trouble. So, um, you know, with as well as our guards have been shooting, if we can get that inside presence um, as far as putting up points, I think that's going to make this a pretty dynamic basketball team. It's got to be the most dynamic team I've seen from Clemson uh, in quite some time, probably dating back to you know when Trevor Booker, uh, you know Ken, James Mays, and and so on. Uh, it's it's quite it's got a lot of talent. Um, we'll see if they can put the pieces together. One observation I'll make from college basketball as a whole: uh, nothing new in the last ten years. I haven't seen a whole lot of dominant teams. Um, it, college basketball is down and. That's to say that Clemson could, if they can get into the tournament, if they can make some noise in the ACC, um, I think they could they could uh, potentially get to that Sweet 16 Elite Eight. It might be premature to say that we've already lost two games, but um, but it's it's definitely a team that can can make make some uh, make some noise in March. Yeah, I totally agree, and especially again if Elijah Thomas lives up to his five star billing. Um, I, I think this is going to be a really good basketball team. and I mean, heck, we saw what they did in the ACC last year. Um, they had a really good run. So, yeah, really excited, really pumped about this team. They've got South Carolina State on Tuesday. They're next up. And then they finish out non-conference play uh, versus Alabama at number 19 South Carolina and versus a UNC Wilmington team that is 8-1 right now on the season. So um, it'll be a decent schedule. It'll be a good way to gauge uh, – how well this or how good this team is. Um, if you can come out of non-conference play, say nine and three with no bad losses, you're going to be standing pretty good heading into ACC play. And when it comes time, even if you go 500 in ACC play, I think um, a, a decent non-conference uh, uh, one loss record uh, with beating some good teams and not losing any bad teams is going to fare. This team will fare very well and look favorable in the NCAA tournament selection committee's eyes when it comes time for that in March. Yeah, absolutely. And the ACC, they're, they're very good, um, which hard to say right now if that's going to help or hurt you. You have to win the games, but um, it's going to help their strength of schedule. It's going to put a few more losses in the, in the loss column, but uh, at the same time, um, it, it's going to be a tough, tough gauntlet. Really, really good ACC from, I won't say top to bottom, I'll say top to, top to middle. <laughs> Yeah, we saw what they did in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, the way they dominated that this year. So um, I still think Clemson can climb as high as five uh, in the ACC standings by the time uh, the conference tournament comes around. So I think they're, it is justified to have higher expectations for this team than we've seen here again in the recent past. Um, so that's all we've got for this episode today. Uh, we're still working out our schedule. We're definitely going to do a preview of the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. Whether or not we get another one in before that um, over the holidays, uh, you know, we'll let you know. Um, thanks for sticking with us. If, you know, if you're able to, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can hit us up at Clemson Podcast. Uh, on Twitter and then Clemson Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we love interacting on the message board. So if you want to uh, leave us a comment there, please do so. And so, yeah, we'll be back with you here soon. And until then, and as always, go Tigers.
What I told him tonight was, listen, we give you scholarships, we give you, uh, you know, stipends and meals and a place to live. We give you nice uniforms. I can't give you guts and I can't give you heart. And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart and they never.